Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim Elmore, and I'm the senior pastor at Memorial Baptist Church, Stratford, Ontario. And I'm Marshall Morton, the associate pastor at Memorial Baptist. And I'm Alex Walker, the corporate ministry director at that same church. Yeah, and so here we are, uh, getting not to the end, but close to the end of our uh, Elements of a Worship Service uh, series. There was there was a whole lot of hope in me that the end of this series would also be the beginning of the joining uh, back together for our uh, worship services. That <laughs> yeah. that that was a pipe dream. It's gonna be a while. Uh, <laughs> options to do some creative things. We'll work on those kinds of things. But uh, but man, the more we talk about these things, the more I miss them. Mm. Right. And and I gotta say, even though I lived my entire life outside of quarantine and even though i was 40 turning 41 before i ever heard the word social distancing Mm. it didn't take me long for all of a sudden the whole thing of like everyone gathering into a room tightly packed in singing started feeling like oh you know what why were we doing that ever to begin with all of a sudden it just feels like we were just asking for it right it doesn't take it doesn't take long for all these thoughts to come in your mind and just change the way you look at society as a whole. How terribly unhygienic were we? Do you are you guys feeling this? Are you like you watch a movie, and you're like, what are they doing? Yeah. Get all those people together. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I was looking through stock images for for something the other day, and I just see this photo of a packed concert, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so illegal. <laughs> right. Oh, my hope, my hope is that we will also get over it that quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of already over it. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, uh, so today, today we are going to be talking about the preaching element of (laughs) the worship service. Uh, and in a lot of ways, um, without, without belittling other elements of the worship service, um, we're going to be talking about this is this is kind of the the primacy of the service right mm. and I, I don't think just for us i think a lot of churches everything sort of wraps around leads up to or reflects on the preaching is that fair to say yeah i think so yeah. i'd say it's this it's the central component for sure yeah. of the of the worship service at least in in you know protestant evangelical circles anyways mhm yeah, yeah I, often that, oh, go ahead. Often we design our music to like point to um, the preaching of the word, even even if it's just as general as the preaching of the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we design our services to make the the preaching kind of this apex of the the whole message of the morning. Yeah, and and you know, I I think there's a lot of that that is carryover from uh, the Jewish tradition and the reading of the the law and the prophets in the synagogues. Uh, so that was that was very much a part of that tradition through uh, the the Old Testament, the intertestamental period, uh, and then after the intertestamental period, we see it continuing in the uh, the New Testament. And so there's there's a lot of that 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 we are still doing today, it, it, but it's not historically the case, right? Not long after the apostolic period, the early church moved into a, a pushing of the communion as the central feature 
Um, but that's, that's kind of when the Catholic Church started getting into this idea of uh, holding something over someone by whether or not they would distribute grace mm-hmm. to them via the elements. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a time when the centrality of a worship service became uh, the communion. And then in the Reformation, particularly through the voice of Ulrich Zwingli, um, it started to come back around to the preaching. Uh, there's some confusion out there right now. There, there are a couple of people that are trying to say, hey, it was always communion and it needs to go back to communion. Hmm. Uh, that, that's just not really historically the case. It, it's only historically the case if you start like in second century mm. and go up to the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be able to make an argument at that point. Uh, going back into scripture, it, it's not historically the case. Uh, and and what, what happened in that, one of the, the reasons Zwingli sort of brought things back through and then you know Martin Luther with him and, uh, and certainly John Calvin after that is that the congregation just became very unaware of scripture and scriptural truth. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so, so biblical illiteracy and biblical ignorance, uh, theological ignorance just sort of became very prevalent and people were showing up and getting their communion. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they knew about God and the word of God was very much weakened. And so since the reformation in Protestant evangelism, evangelicalism, there has been a big push to bring centrality back to preaching. Now, here's what we mean by centrality of preaching. We don't mean, hey, everybody, it's Tim time. Welcome to the main event. <laughs> yeah, that's, right? a, that's a really common criticism of churches like ours that are focused on the preaching is that, you know, it gives the pastor so much power to manipulate the congregation and that when you focus on communion, it's all about Jesus. Um, you know, that's an oversimplification, oversimplification on both sides. Um, yeah. It's the centrality of the preaching, not the centrality of the preacher. Yeah. 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 Well, at right? least it should be anyways. <laughs> should be. Right. I, I tell people all the time, one thing that I'm not concerned, that, there, are, there are a lot of churches that really battle with things like becoming cult of personality. Right. right? You have this really charismatic, uh, funny, good looking guy on stage who just grabs people's attention and what they're drawn to is him Mm. and not the message and it becomes that cult of personality i tell people all the time that is something that i have never been worried about as a pastor for all the things that you sort of guard your heart against and guard the congregation against never have i ever felt like that was a need because i barely have enough personality to carry myself through the day (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the idea that i could carry an entire congregation is uh is laughable mm. which is mm. why you laughed <laughs> and and i mean you, you're humble to say you don't guard your heart against that kind of thing but i do know that when you're preaching a message your goal is is not to share funny stories of you know the elmore household right you're you're mm-hmm. trying to bring out from the word what god has said uh, to our church like it's you you say you don't guard your heart but you do have built in things and how you prep and design a, a message that that set you apart from what's being said. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm very careful not to make the message about me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, who's great at that? John Piper. If you ever, if you, if you ever want to study sort of like this concept, just watch the first five minutes of every John Piper sermon ever. Mm-hmm. 
and you'll notice a pattern. A lot of people, and, and I do this, um, we, we build into the sermon. H.B. Uh, Charles is the king of building into a sermon, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Marshall explained Charles the best in that he's just like a train, Yeah. right? Like at first there's a lot of energy just sort of slugging along, getting this thing rolling. And you're like, all right, we're, we're going somewhere, but we're not getting there fast. And then before you realize it, this thing has gained momentum and hits you oh, like yeah. a freight train, right? <laughs> uh, he's fantastic at that. Piper steps up to the microphone, says, let's pray. After his amen, he's in the middle. He's at full pace. Oh, yeah. Preaching. Right, like he he's takes driving a Ferrari no warm-up up train. Right, he's like zero to sixty in in two seconds. Like he's just boom. Let's right, go. no funny story. No, nope. no good to see you here this morning. Nope. Right, he's business from the first word. He's business, uh, and uh, so I, I I think in that even though he is someone who is a personality mm. um, that a lot of people look to, I think he he's great at sort of getting straight to the job and and not lingering around and spending a lot of that extra time otherwise. Uh, otherwise. So, so that's, that, I don't open my sermons with prayer mm. because we have someone else do that for us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we typically would have one of the uh, elders come and you know, put his hand on the preacher and just pray for that time right praying for mm-hmm. not only not only you or or me or, or any other visiting preacher uh but also praying for the congregation at large that they would be receptive to the message that's being brought right so that's something that we instituted fairly recently uh but i really love it it's a really wonderful kind of kind of family time and just to have one of the other elders of the church just put his hand on your shoulder and pray for you before you start is is really encouraging yeah yeah, it, it's something I had done in, in churches previous, and, and it's something that I'm so glad that we're doing now. Um, even even the elements of what's said in the prayer aside, um, as someone being on stage, being prayed over right before you are about to share what is on your heart, mm-hmm. gives so much uh, confidence and, and it can give you such a feeling of, okay, this is this is what we're supposed to be doing. You know, sometimes you, I can feel those kinds of nerves of, you know, is is this particular song what we should be doing this morning? Um, you know, getting that prayer right before going out um, and, and giving the word or playing a song um, gives so much confidence in this is, this is what we're here to do. This is, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I personally love it too. Um, I, I love that we publicly have, uh, whether it be the worship leader that week or, or an elder, and mostly, most of the time an elder, um, just very publicly on stage in front of everybody saying, Hey, let's lift this brother up mm-hmm. in what he's about to do. I, I think what it does too, is it, it draws a connection with the congregation, right? Because instead of just being like, these are the stage people mm. um, and the stage people are going to do this. And, uh, and when we're finished, you can leave. Uh, someone comes from the seats to stand onto the stage mm-hmm. and pray. Um, and so I think, I think there's uh, some, some really cool stuff going on with mm-hmm. that. I, I love that, that prayer right before. Sometimes, sometimes I miss kind of the opportunity to just pray with God before I preach. But to be fair with you, a lot of that's going on during the singing anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
in my own heart. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether or not that needs to take place publicly, I, I don't think it's as important, if that makes sense, right? I, I think once we get into the public, that personal prayer of God set me aside, bless your word, as you speak through me. Um, I, I feel like that work should be done. And then to have someone else say that on my behalf, I think then becomes the more appropriate public prayer. Mm. Right. And, so. and we pray it in pre-service prayer too. Um, right. Right. As well. Like this is, this is a prayer that is on our hearts all morning. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then having it said publicly in service is just um, so good. Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think all through the week, all, all Sunday morning and even publicly there, we're constantly praying that God would get us out of the way. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, e even when it is, you know, me trying to be charismatic or funny or smart, which is the worst, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Let me go up there and impress them with what I, mm -hmm. what I read that another smart person said in a book. Yeah, yeah that's um, pretty much, yeah, that's totally <laughs> it, right. right? So, so Donald Carson, who is, yeah. Donald Carson, who is really smart, said this, and now you think I'm smart because I read Donald Carson. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's my prayer. sermons are, are quotes from, from other people. <laughs> right. <laughs> just the right. scripture itself. It's basically just a collaboration, like a quilting together of Spurgeon, Carson, Moo, uh, yeah, yeah. those guys. And, yeah. and then maybe one church father from a mm -hmm. time when, uh, when dates only had three numbers to, right. to tell you what year it was. <laughs> uh, if you can grab one of those, mix it in with a, a, a Spurgeon, a Calvin. Yeah. Uh, I got a J.I. Packer. And you're ready to go. That's a, that's a reform Baptist sermon right there. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, so that that prayer time before leading us in, uh, let, let's talk about the environment that we have necessarily for prayer and, and, or for preaching. And and this is going to hit people as a, a little bit different. Like, what do you mean the preaching environment? But it it kind of matters um, in some ways. Different churches do it differently. So so let's talk about it. The big thing: how much time do we leave for this? Mm. Yeah, this is something that uh, a lot of churches have changed over the centuries, over over the years, even the last uh, twenty years. Um, I, I remember growing up having sermons that were almost always like a tight twenty. You know, they mm -hmm. were on the dot, usually really punchy, and that was just the kind of style that church had. Um, you know, I've been to lots of churches that split uh, the sermon into the Old Testament and the New Testament message, and they're only like ten minutes each in different parts of the service. Hmm. Um, you know, things that are really different from our own tradition. Yeah. You know, in, in Eastern Europe, I've had the chance to, to preach there a couple of times. And, uh, and across, I, I don't know if it's across all the former Soviet bloc, but at least in Ukraine and Russia, they share this common tradition that there are three sermons given by pastors and elders every week. Wow. Uh, in, in each service. So they do the wow. Sunday morning and the Sunday evening service. So there are six messages, 30 minutes a piece. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you think hmm. I'm going long. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems to me that, that there are kind of two camps on this really. Right. Uh, some people are like the whole, you know, science says that a person's attention span is 15 to 20 minutes. You can't go beyond that because you can't keep them. Right. Uh, and then some people are like, Hey, you know what? This is the word of God. We are bringing the word of God. We're going to double down on that and we're going to run it, especially more reform guys. Right. Mm. We're going to go 45 to, you know, 
maybe bumping up on an hour. Mm. Uh, and that's 55 minutes. Right. That's <laughs> 50, 57 if I have uh, an extra <laughs> illustration. Right. And, and so they're going to they're going to push for these big, long kind of things. One, if done in the wrong spirit, mm-hmm. that's my that's my caveat to this next statement, because sometimes statements like these need caveats. Uh, if done in the wrong spirit, I think one can fall into this consumeristic, give the people what they want, a very emergent kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, don't challenge people. Just give them what they can already handle. We're not here to grow them or challenge them or push them or create a, a, a culture or a habit or a practice or anything. We're just going to drop it uh, and move on. The other can get into a sort of the, mo- the longer we're here, the more spiritual we are kind of a thing. Uh, I, I worked with a pastor one time, um, and I'm not, I'm not sort of like pulling in any sort of statement about what I think his heart was at, where his heart was at. Uh, but weekend and like he, he, one Sunday, he, he did the sort of like altar call after the service kind of thing after the sermon. Um, and, and he did that and, and all of a sudden he just felt like there was more to be said. Mm. And so he's like, Hey, you know what? We're not, we're not done here. I believe there's more to be said. And he went on and I was like, Oh, that's great. Mm. Um, all of a sudden that became a pattern. Mm. Okay. Right. And, and it almost got to the point where feeling like, um, if we just left after the message, we would just be kind of packing it in. And so that we have message, a closing and bonus message feels like we're sitting in it more. And, and I, I, I want to be open to extending a message because the Holy Spirit in the movement in the moment seems to be doing something mm-hmm. that we didn't schedule in and we're going to be sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't let the clock stop me if I really believed that that was going on. But at the same time, I don't want to go long because we believe that we're going to be heard because of our many words, uh, or please God with our many words, kind of a thing, uh, into the point that it becomes disingenuous, right? So for example, here's, here's an out of preaching element that becomes disingenuous. Do you remember concerts? Back in the right? day, yeah. Yes. Back in the day, back in the day when people were reckless and they would ancient, gather. Ancient tradition. They would, right. They would gather together. Uh, our kids will read epitomes about these things and they'll be like, wow, our forefathers were so brave. Uh, so in a concert, especially if you go to see a, a major band, there are songs that just don't get played mm. in the set big songs sometimes their biggest songs the song that everyone came to hear mm. and then the band says thank you good night and they leave why because encore has just become part of the set list yeah right and and it used to be that encore was they played and everyone was just so enthralled by what was going on they were just like no it can't be over we need more we need more please come back and the band was like all right well let's throw some stuff together and see what we got uh, because, you know, just to say a thank you, right? Now it's just sort of like, hey, this is going to be when we walk off and drink some water and we'll be right back, right? And yeah. I've often wondered what would happen if the, if the crowd just didn't play along and just stood there quietly. Like, would the band come out? Leave. Right, would the band come back out and be like, so <laughs> we, we decided maybe we... Sh- you guys got time for one more? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
And so that to me is a disingenuous encore. It's not the spirit of what an encore is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't want to see us get into a place or, or anyone get into a place where they have this disingenuous need for length. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it, like to, to summarize the whole question of like how long, I think it's possible to preach a, a faithful and well-rounded sermon. Yeah. In 20 some odd minutes. Sure. Right. And I think yeah. if done properly, you know, people with the, you know, with the ability and the proper preparation and delivery can do an hour and it, mm-hmm. and it, and do it in such a way where it's not stretching things out for the sake of stretching things out. I think my, my, my beef when it comes to the whole question of time, the amount of time is kind of how sensitive people are to it. It's like you go five minutes shorter or five minutes longer than normal. And suddenly people are making comments like, Ooh, that was a long one. It's like, well, it averages 35 and we went 40 or, or I was at 29 minutes instead of the 35 and people make comments of it. it's like, Oh, okay. Um, it's just what it is. It's yeah. Just, people are pretty aware of it. Yeah. It's like, this. Isn't I, a, I think people are more, I think people are more aware of it than I am. Yeah. Oh, I would agree. Totally. I yeah. mean, maybe we haven't done ourselves a favor because we often preach right before lunch. Um, so, so I I don't know how much spiritual heart that has in it. It might just be that we're hungry. I I can sympathize with that. Uh, so we, maybe we didn't do ourselves a favor with that, (laughs) but, but yeah, as Marshall said, we often do 35 minutes. That's what we plan for. Um, quite often it's, um, a little bit more, a little bit less. It's very rarely 35 minutes on the dot. Mm -hmm. And as a team, we've designed our services to give it that flex time. Um, we don't ever want our messages uh, or prayers or in, in, even in some cases announcements to be so boxed into time that we lose focus on what's actually important, which is, you know, the preaching of the word, the the sharing of the gospel. Yeah, I, I think it would be a problem if if I was preaching and I was like, oh, you know what, there are four minutes left. Let me let me throw up an extra story to fill that <laughs> right. time. Right. Right. Yeah. Or if I was looking at something and, and I, I really believed that there was something to be said and I looked up and was like, oh, I've only got 30 seconds. I'm just going to cut, mm-hmm. you know, five minutes out of what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the flex is important. And, and to be fair, when we, when we talk about people being aware of it, it's not that people are being angrily aware of it. Not just, a, no. but just, just comment generally. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's um, just an interesting comment. <laughs> yeah. And, and as far as environment goes, like, we're not dimming the lights. We're not raising lights. No. We don't have, uh, you know, like the, the big bass <laughs> as I walk onto the screen and then like the, the, you know, theater size screen behind me doing like some random flashing something. And then the name, or maybe a black <laughs> and white, a black and white photo that just sort of because of the shadow only shows half my face mm-hmm. and, uh, and then no, a fat smoke cloud rolls out. <laughs> right, the Holy Spirit machine cranked to ten. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that is that is the our office's name for the fog machines. Holy Spirit, machine. which we don't own, but uh, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> fog machines at Memorial Baptist Church. That will be the day. Mm. Uh, and so, and so, what we do? It, it's it's just it's pretty subtle. No lighting changes, nothing like that. Just step up there and preach it. Um, a lot of those things can be kind of cool. Sometimes cool can be distracting. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's best just to kind of keep it down. Whatever. We, 
we just do it because that's kind we do it the way we do it because that's sort of the atmosphere that where we're at mm-hmm. um but one of the things that marshall wanted to talk about in this is during the process of preaching and the environment because everyone's getting really still and really quiet mm-hmm. right um which is i i think typical for uh, how it's going whether or not that stillness and that quietness becomes a distraction for us marshall what do you want to say about that so I, like i i know that it at times, you know, right, we have a culture where people are generally very quiet during the sermon. You know, we, we don't have a lot of uh, interaction necessarily from the congregation. The odd time, you, you'll, you'll get a little something. But, but I know that oftentimes people are very sensitive to distractions um, that might be occurring. So let's say, you know, um, they've, they've, not, they've not brought the baby down to the nursery and the baby starts crying and they're mortified right? Or, 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 you know, one of the kids makes a comment or something and, you know, whatever, there's, there's 101 little things that might come up. And I think people are very, very concerned that that is going to um, distract us or even, you know, frustrate us or upset us. But like, I know for you and I both, like, those are just things that happen. Like we can just kind of keep going that is not really yeah cool. i think there's probably a threshold for that sure right? i mean I'm like sure. if somebody brought a beach ball and they just started you know like playing yeah yeah catch yeah. back and forth right like then you'd be like wait what's this right yeah i um, think it was the first or second time i ever preached um i won't share any names but there was someone in our congregation who had a medical emergency i think it was like literally at the first or second time that i preached and they were sitting in the middle aisle so i could see I could see better than anyone in the congregation would other than the person who was sitting next to this person. And I had to, I had to shut it down halfway, bring that attention to what was going on so that that could be addressed. And then we prayed for that person and had to pick it up. <laughs> and that yeah. was like my second time preaching, I think first or second time preaching. Right. You did such a good uh, job with that, by the way. Well, you know what? <laughs> I was just the grace of God because I was like, I didn't know what to, I was caught flat footed, right? Like I'm just thinking, mm-hmm. I just got my notes and I just got to go through this thing and I'm like shaking and, and, uh, and then suddenly it's like, okay, something else is more important for a second here. We got to stop. Um, but yeah, you so know that, what? Yeah. Sorry. You know what can be more distracting than that? Because a lot, not, not, a medical emergency, but more distracting than like uh, a kid, you know, making a comment or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What can be more distracting than that is, is not necessarily noise or movement, but just a disconnectedness. Yeah. Right. I, I, I feel like I can roll with just about anything going on in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had some, some pretty crazy scenarios too of uh, things that would happen sometimes on a regular basis. Mm. Um, but, but if I'm preaching to a room, and people are just sort of like staring at the walls or watching, looking at their watches or just sort of like sitting there with their head down to their lap and just not engaging at all. Mm. That's really distracting to me. Yeah. Right. Like they're being still, they're being quiet, but they're completely disengaged. Mm. And uh, that's, that's tough for me. Yeah. Right. Well, don't get or back even sleeping. Then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Even sleeping. Right. <laughs> like if you, you get into that point where you're just like, given it what you got and you're just like really convicted to the point that you're almost emotionally brought to tears by your oh, yeah. own message and, and you look up and then somebody's just sitting there with their chin against their chest right oh yeah it's like oh, i won't man. i won't name names again and i'm I'll guarantee that this individual doesn't listen to the podcast but there's a kid in our youth group and like he always falls asleep like he just, always, but the weird thing is like in discussion, like he's like super involved in the discussion. Like, so like once you wake him up, like he wants to talk about things, 
So it's not that he doesn't care, but he just, maybe it's something about my voice, but it puts him to sleep on a week. It, week is, it is soothing. <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on with you, man? But yeah, yeah, that can be, that can be distracting for sure. Yeah. Good stuff, but I'm watching the clock and we got to get rolling. Okay. All right. All right, all right. Other things we wanted to talk about uh, that, that the preaching of the word of God. So when we talk about preaching, we're talking about taking the word of God opening the word of God before people and saying, thus says the Lord. Hmm. And this is how we ought to worship in accordance with this truth. Hmm. Right. I, I think that is, that is the foundational outline for every sermon that takes place at our church. Right. Hmm. Um, so this is the word of God this is our call to response, mm-hmm. regardless of what it is. For this reason, and because we're, we're down to one Sunday morning service, uh, we don't do Wednesday night Bible studies, or Sunday evening Bible studies, so we've, we've talked about this in, in an earlier episode. Um, but for this reason, we don't do a lot of guest speaker stuff um, because, because a lot of times, even, even the best preachers that come for those things if it ends up being a lot of slideshows of, you know, this is where I've been, this is what I'm doing, all that kind of, it's not preaching the word. Yeah. Right. It, it might be sharing a great testimony, mm-hmm. but the testimony is not the centrality of the worship service. Mm-hmm. The proclamation of the word of God is the centrality. And so uh, that's, that's kind of a change that we've made not not we as in memorial in in the last year and a half that I've been there, but we as sort of like a culture of churches. Um, yeah. Like I talking to a lot of Feb pastors, this is just kind of the way it goes, right? And and not just in the Feb, a lot of a lot of pastors are just getting to the whole like this is our one shot on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and we want people to hear from God Himself, and then we want to challenge ourselves to respond to that. And that is the, the primacy of why we gather. That's what we're going to push. We're not going to make space for other things. Mm-hmm. We do this generally by working through series, right? Usually, yeah. Yeah, that's typically what we do. Yeah. And, and these series can be, I mean, they can be as short as, I think we did a two-week series once. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's other times, you're right? Like it's, it can be months. Um, I know some pastors who who spend years on one series, right? Right. They'll do they'll do two years through the Book of Acts or something like that, right? So, um, but yeah, generally we do we do series, and I think you know there are, there are benefits to that rather than just kind of grabbing whatever seems to be, you know, on your mind that mm-hmm. week, right? There's some advantages to just working your way through something that's planned in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, to help people kind of understand whether it's a, a portion of scripture, whether it's, uh, it can even be a particular topic, uh, but so that people can really wrap their minds around what it is that they need to, to grasp, you know, in that. Yeah, right. And and when you're setting out a series, it, uh, it can dictate kind of how you go about starting to prepare, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're given just a passage, you have to figure out what the word of God is saying to us rather than 
trying to think of a topic and have what you want to say to the church. Mm, right. Um, it it kind of sets your, your focus and order of importance in, in the right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because what, what can come in that? And, and, and there was a time really early on in, in my preaching where I wasn't really mentored in this way, didn't understand what it meant to exposit the scripture, to just open the word of God and say, this is what it is, bring it to the people. And, and I was left sort of to my own devices. And, and that for me meant think of something that is a truth, mm-hmm. find a passage in the Bible that speaks that truth. And that is, that's your sermon, right? Mm. And so there were times when I would have illustration and application uh, and main point ready to go. And I'm opening my Bible, scrambling like crazy, trying to find a passage that says exactly what I needed to say to fit my illustration Mm -hmm. and my point, right? Um, And so like my late, late teen years, early twenties, this was just sermon writing for me. Yeah. Um, and so I, and I, I wish I could the, have skipped those years. Yeah. And that might've just come out of the, the predominant approach to preaching that, you know, that was big kind of in the 90s. I mean, I, I can speak to the kind of the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, right? Like when I was mm-hmm. a kid, that seems to be kind of what a lot of guys did is they're just like, ah, eh, today I feel like talking about this and we're going to find the scripture that supports my point and then we'll go from there, right? And it's, it's been trending, right, towards a bit more of a, an approach where, where people are yeah, opening up the, the scriptures and expositing, ex, just exposing what is the truth in this. Um, right. And, it, and, it, and as for myself, speaking as like a, a, like a novice preacher, it's actually really nice to, to mm-hmm. just rely on that. It's like, I don't have to come up with something clever, right? I, I just, I just have to open up the Bible and use the, the abilities and the knowledge that I have as, as limited as they are at times to just help communicate what the word is saying to people in a, right. in a relevant way. Right. Like, I don't, I don't have, like, thank goodness. I don't have to, you know, just like come up with catchy phrases. Cause I'm, I don't, you know, thank goodness. I don't have to like conjure up, you know, you know, emotional illustrations or personal stories as I've shared before. I feel like I've had a pretty boring life. Like I don't have a lot of great personal stories to share, but I, that's not really a big part of my preaching. Cause my preaching is about just opening up the passage and explaining what it says. And, uh, so it's as a, as a young guy, as a new guy, um, it, it makes my job a lot easier actually. Yeah, it's sort of let me help you understand what the Bible's saying here. Yeah. Is is a solid approach to expositional preaching. Mm-hmm. Right. I if if someone wanted to argue that the sermon ought not be the central point of the service. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to argue that, like we said earlier, that that maybe testimonies have the same value as a sermon. Mm. I would say that is true if your idea of a sermon is what we're talking about here, mm. right? That it's not opening the word of God and saying, this is what the Bible says. Let, let's understand this together, mm-hmm. right? But if instead it is, hey, here's a thought that came to me and here's a Bible verse that matches that. Mm. At that point, I would say um, all of those other things are on the table as equal. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is to open the word of God, 
to read it together and then just sort of sit in it and meditate on that out loud together and to explain that um, the, the depth and the breadth of whatever it is that, that might be said at this point uh, about this passage. At, at that point, I think that's where you can argue this is the centrality of scripture um, because it's very Bible focused, divine revelation mm-hmm. delivered to mankind focused. And, and so how you develop your sermons and what your philosophy of what a sermon is really kind of dictates where you land on that. What is the centrality of the service and, and what can and can't take place uh, in a service either alongside or outside of a sermon. Right. Cause I, I've like, so there, there was a thing going on a few years ago. I, maybe it's still going on. I don't know. I don't hear about it much anymore where, where the big push was all art and creativity is given by God. And so when we practice art and creativity, we're worshiping. Mm. Um, and so, so painters became a thing like dancers have always kind of been a thing, like in certain circles. Mm. Uh, well, not always for the last 200 years, right. but painters kind of became a thing for about 10 years where mm. someone would, you know, paint a stream and some, uh, some trees or whatever, while the music was going, I've seen that carry on while the sermon was going, yes. right? Uh, and it becomes hugely distracting. Oh, yeah. And, and is, is art and creativity a means of worship? 100%. Oh, yeah. Right? Does it rest alongside the presentation of the Word of God as equals? Even to the point that we would multitask them? I have to say no, yeah. right? Um, I, in that, I, I would argue this. I would say, my offering to God, i.e., the painting, i.e., the the sermon that comes from my own heart and, and whatever sort of popped into my head that week, my offering to God matters, but it is secondary to God's offering to me, His divine revelation. Mm-hmm. The two things are not coequal; they're not interchangeable. We shouldn't multitask mm-hmm. between the two. We set this time aside and we give it the space that it needs, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so in considering that the primary thing is, is God's revelation to you, um, how do you handle preaching that in such a way that can be applicable to someone like me who's been a Christian my whole life and also to the person who walked in the door for the first time? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a thing, right? Um, and because not just, not just that you would have people of varying degrees of, uh, of theological understanding or personal relationship, because um, you want to be careful of, of things like Christianese. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to not use it, right? Like, I, I think it's important that we understand as Christians what propitiation means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and atonement and sanctification and justification. I'm always going to preach these words because these are important things for us to understand. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I understand that a lot of people don't just sort of walk in with that knowledge, right? Even if you're more educated than everyone else in the room, right? Like maybe someone who's never believed, never been to church, uh, walking in the first time, but they're a lawyer, uh, Right. A lawyer might be a bad example because maybe engineer. they're going to understand. Let's go engineer, engineer. <laughs> yeah, an engineer, right? And, and maybe things like propitiation just don't mean anything to you. 
right? So what do you do? You explain the word, you use it, then you define it, mm-hmm. and then you use it again. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like you need to, you define it again yeah. uh, at some point so that, so that people are learning and you're bringing them along. Uh, because not only, I mean, there are varying degrees of experience with the scripture. There are varying degrees of literacy in the room, right? Like you can talk over a room, over a room's head. Sometimes this happens. To be honest with you, this, ha- this happens to, to pastors who maybe spend all their time in their study mm. or maybe to young pastors who are in seminary and sort of like eager to show people that they're learning something, Yeah, right? It's like they're, um, they're writing the sermon for their seminary profs, right? Right. Get a good grade. It's like, well, right. it's, not, it's not the context here. Yeah. Yeah. So you can talk over, but you can also talk under. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's, and that's, um, oh, that's frustrating too as a congregant when, you know, you're like, okay, this message would be great in the Sunday school class. Like <laughs> we're adults here. Like, so yeah, no, so I, that can be frustrating too. So, so here's a great story from the life of Martin Lloyd-Jones. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, an amazing preacher uh, and, and thinker from, from, uh, from England. He had heard about this pastor across town who had these great children's messages, right? And, th- and this pastor there in London had become famous for his children's messages. And so the challenge was said to him, they, they said, you know, Dr. Jones, for all that you're able to do in inspiring the minds of adults, bringing your level of theology down to the degree that a child could understand it is not your best skill. Mm. And he admitted this to be the case. He had a Sunday off, so he and one of his uh, associates went to go hear this man preach. And when he came back, uh, he was asked by the guy who challenged him, did you hear the children's service? And Martin Lewis-Jones said, I heard both of the children's sermons. (laughs) 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 And... uh, and, and in that, what Jones was saying, uh, because he does later explain why he said it that way, uh, was, yeah, he realized in hearing the address to the children that there was something that he needed to work on to bring theology down to an understandable base level mm. uh, so that even a child could grasp it, mm. but not at the expense of leading and guiding and growing educated and experienced Christians, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there has to be a space and a blending for both, right? We have at our church people who are educated Bible college graduates. Um, we have people who are just sort of feeling it out. Mm-hmm. They don't really know where they stand. Um, they just know that something has compelled them to be there and they want to learn and they want to grow. We have people who have been in church longer than, than we've been alive, right? And all of these people have to be exposed to the word of God in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to create a lot of opportunity for illustration, right? Spurgeon says illustrations are the windows in, in the wall right? They bring light into the room, but they are not the structure. Mm. Um, so we build the sermon, the word of God, which is the structure. We shine light on that with illustrations. Um, we're not afraid to use uh, terminology that we're going to define so that people are 
are constantly growing and learning no matter how long they've been there. I, I think one of the greatest things you can hope for in a sermon is that people who don't know the word well come to you afterward and say, hey, that was, that was good. I really learned something there. Mm. And people who have been there forever are like, I never saw that in that, in that passage before, but I, I see it and you didn't have to twist it to do the thing that you did. Um, I see that it's actually there uh, and I appreciate it. Or even just, it's good to be reminded of that truth, right? I think all of those are things that we're shooting for in such a way as to hit everyone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's a good question, Alex, because I, I think sometimes that's the toughest thing. Mm. What about, let's, let's, I know, you know, we can't have this podcast go on forever, but I want to talk briefly maybe about um, the whole idea of delivery, right? Okay. So the whole idea of like, cause you know, people, people do it different ways, right? Whether it's manuscript or notes or no notes, but also just people's body language and, and cadence of their voice and all these things. Um, what does, what role does that really play in your, in your mind? This is going to be the one and only time you ever hear me say, you do you, mm. right? Uh, <laughs> in, in a way that is actually what I mean, right? I, I think it's important. Sometimes, sometimes guys get up there and they, they try to be their favorite pastor mm. and it doesn't work. It just really doesn't work because it's not their personality, I try right? to beat you all the time, Tim, and I just can't do it. Yeah, that's I what I was getting those at. Notes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was getting at. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, so so what happens is like, like you have people that are kind of quiet guys that get up there and they want to be like super charismatic, and it really just becomes a distraction to the church who knows them, right? Mm-hmm. They're like this, is, and to be fair with you, I'm kind of that guy in some ways. Um, I think people who know me. And then see me preach, you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Because I'm, I'm generally a pretty quiet guy. I'm not a, a super outgoing kind of guy, but I, I maybe don't preach that way. Um, people, that, people that know me as the preacher first and then get to know me um, are usually surprised. I'm an introvert and I'm kind of you know, quiet and that sort of thing. But, but I, I think trying to be someone else is a problem, right? I love to listen to Timothy Keller, mm. right? Timothy Keller... Um, does not in any sermon change the tone of his voice. He just sits down in PR, not sit down, but he just approaches the mic in PR style and reads everything matter-of-factly, no inflections, and he's brilliant. It's just so good. He has your attention the entire time, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. John Piper is standing on the pulpit (laughs) within 30 seconds of his sermon and he doesn't get down until he's finished. And it is intensity. Oh, uh, yeah. I love his right? hand gesture. His hand and gestures passion. Are, are second to none. Like just yeah. what he's trying to explain constantly. Those who are listening to this don't see the intense hand gestures I'm making on the screen. But it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> a, a couple of other guys that have intense hand gestures. Um, I'd say Matty Chan. Mm. Uh, uh, Matt Chandler has like these really crazy almost like hip-hop cool kind of things going on all the time uh if i tried to be relevant like matt chandler uh and and sort of like the hip-hop cool guy it would fall on its face it would it would end up looking like a dad joke is what it would look like right Mm -hmm. uh so i think what you have to do is you just have to be 
the best version of your personality bringing the word of God possible, mm. right? We work on these things because you want to be engaging. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to speak to people without sort of lulling them to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't become the primacy of what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. I, if, if I was going to sit down and work with someone on their sermon, right? Like sometimes, you know, before and after the sermon, uh, Marshall, you and I will sit down and we'll talk about it. Uh, that is going to be more about the content than it is going to be about your posture all the time. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of a thing, whether or not you read from a manuscript, there are, there are um, the Prince of preachers yeah. used a manuscript, right? Yeah. Spurgeon. Um, and, and I believe Martin Lloyd Jones preached from manuscripts and mm. Jonathan Edwards and all mm. these guys, right? Some people preach from bullet points, right? That's um, HB Charles, goes without notes right mm-hmm. um and so so long as so long as you're faithful to do the work ahead of time you're bringing that work you're engaging i don't think there's a right or wrong yeah um i, I think you just need to be who god created you to be uh and give that as much effort and dedication as you can so mm-hmm. that people are are being engaged and not distracted by the personality side of you yeah. And, and in some ways this is all applicable to how we should share the gospel with people, right? Like if you bring material and, and come to a conversation with someone that you wanted to share the hope of Jesus with in a way that wasn't you, or you rehearsed it from learning someone else's sermon, um, it won't mm-hmm. come across the same way. Um, you've right. got to share the hope of Jesus that he's given you in the way that you can express it. Yeah. Um, otherwise it comes across as formulaic, right? Yeah. 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 And, and I don't think Jesus ever did that, right? Like Jesus didn't have formula. We don't, we don't see in his ministry, him going through the same presentation or the same major points over and over again. Right. He, mm-hmm. he spoke to the situation mm-hmm. according to what the situation needed. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but on the issue of the gospel, this is a good point that Marshall brought up. So Marshall, I'm gonna let you run with this. Does every sermon preach the gospel? Yes. And no. <laughs> so, so this is, the, this is the tough thing, right? Because p- some people have this expectation that, you know, the, the kind of the full gospel message from like the fallenness of mankind to the hope of the resurrection and everything in between the substitutionary atonement needs to be spelled out every single Sunday morning, regardless of what the passage is and what. And, and the reality is, is that sometimes that just, doesn't happen like it just doesn't it it doesn't fit doesn't speak to what that passage is talking about and although you know the hope of the gospel are you know is central to our faith um it's not necessarily the central theme to every single passage right god's revelation is is broader than that. So sometimes we're going to be reading a passage that is definitely connected to that idea. And we definitely want to, to use it and grab it. And sometimes we're going to be talking about something else, but it, there it's related to that and it will give us a, a good kind of transition. But, but at times, you know, the, the, the passage is, is talking about what God wants us to do mm-hmm. and what he wants us not to do. Right. And, and and you don't necessarily have this like beeline to the cross opportunity every single time. And, uh, and so some people, you know, they're, they're, people have different views on, 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 on how you should approach that, that type of thing. Um, 
I would just say there are, there are times where if you, if you make this hard shift to a, you know, gospel presentation, it can feel a bit contrived and it Mm -hmm. can feel disjointed. Um, so that's, you know, that's something that I, I, I wrestle with. I, I, you know, conscious of the fact that there's going to be people, you know, every Sunday there's going to be people in the pews, you know, whether they're a visitor or a member maybe who don't know the Lord. And so you want to provide that, 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 that exhortation, that invitation to, to believe in Christ. But, um, sometimes you just can't, you can't force it, force it every time. Right. And and that was, that was Piper's point at together for the gospel this year. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, He was given, he was given the topic, um, by together for the gospel, which if you don't know the, the conference, it is probably the largest, uh, pastors conference for sort of our tribe of the, the different breadths of, of reformed them. Um, and, and he was given the topic to come in and preach about why every sermon goes back to the gospel. And on that kind of a stage, pulls the flex that only he can pull because of his experience and reputation and says, I don't think this is a good topic. I don't think it's biblically correct. And then basically says what you just said, right? Sometimes the scripture is calling us to realize a truth about God. Mm-hmm. And we need to realize that truth about God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, way that, the way that I would sum it up is to say, the Bible is about who God is, how wonderful he is, and, and that is the revelation of God. What he has done for us is an intensely important centrality of his personage mm-hmm. that the Bible points to constantly. But even that, even that is an expression of who he is, mm-hmm. right? So we're not preaching a lesser sermon to say, behold the glory of our God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think you got to know, like when you're teaching, right? We were talking specifically about preaching on a Sunday morning to a church where, you know, we kind of operate on the assumption that at least the majority of the people there know Christ, right? But sometimes right. we'll get opportunities to teach in different circumstances. And in those times, I think it's vitally important that you present the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. When we went through a teaching series on biblical theology with our youth group, um, we, we essentially presented the gospel every single week because the reality in our and, and in most youth groups is the majority of those kids don't actually have saving faith yet. So you're going right. to preach that gospel week in and week out, right? Until they can parrot it back to you and you believe they actually mean it, right? So, but that's a very different circumstance. Or if you've got some kind of outreach ministry or whatever, right? That, that, that you have a teaching time at, but you know, you don't have to make that overt, um, <clears throat> you know, altar call type uh, petition every single Sunday um, in the Sunday morning worship. That's not necessarily um, always the most fitting thing to do, depending on what you're preaching and where you're preaching out of. Yeah. You know, I grew up in altar call culture. Um, And so when I was first writing sermons, that's kind of the culture I was preaching in as well. Mm -hmm. And there were times when, so to talk about all the elements that I would be balancing, I also in, in grabbing the scripture, I'd be thinking, well, how does this point to an altar call? <laughs> right. right? <laughs> what, what am I calling people to at this point? Right. 
Um, and and the more I the more I talk about it, even this morning, the more I realize how much cramming and forcing I was doing to get the round peg through that square hole, mm. right? Um, but to be fair, I I do lean more heavily toward the camp of the gospel in every sermon. Mm. Um, I, I think First Corinthians is not talking about it week in and week out, but as a sort of the pattern of our overall ethos when it says we preach Christ crucified, mm. right? The, the Greeks want wisdom mm-hmm. and the Jews want, you know, religious ceremony. Yeah. Um, but we preach Christ crucified, who is a stumbling block to those who, who think everything needs to be from logic uh, and earthly wisdom. And he's, he's going to be, um, something, something less ceremonial and personally religious than what the Jews are looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a, maybe a, a, a paraphrasing of, of what's going on there. Um, but, but that we would always preach Christ crucified. So, so here's how I would do that. I, I wouldn't necessarily do it in the sermon in such a way as that I'm, I'm going to sort of beeline, right? I mean, even my, fa- <laughs> my personal favorite, right? Spurgeon That's will argue, says. right? Like yeah. you, you open the Bible and you race to the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think in an application, there's opportunity to do this. So when I'm wrapping up, I always want to wrap up with multiple options on how we respond to this. I never say this is the message that God has given to us. This is how we respond mm-hmm. because I understand that we're a dynamic group, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some people are hearing this and, and this is their lives. They're living this thing, mm-hmm. right? Some people are in the seat but their hearts aren't in what it is that they claim to believe. And they need to be called to repent of that and move into this. And some people are sitting there going, you know what? I came here because my grandma wanted me to come here today. And it's just to make her happy. This has nothing to do with my claims at all. And so everyone needs to be spoken to in that. Right. So if it is a a sermon that is just about like when we did names of God, the glory of God, the majesty of God, the personage of God, and that we're just supposed to sort of sit and receive that. And maybe in that, I would say to that person, this is in, in the wrap up, this is more than just acknowledging that he exists. Mm. This is acknowledging that this kind of a God has taken an opportunity to know us. Mm-hmm. And, and then I would bring in a, a gospel element there. Mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. if it's an imperative because a lot of times our, our sermons are going to be imperative. You know, I do this. Mm-hmm. I would be very clear to say Christianity is not moralism. Mm-hmm. We do these things in response to the saving grace of the gospel that God has given to us. And so I, I would probably pull it out of the sermon and put it in that kind of wrap up prayer of response. Cause I, I like to try to guide those prayers of response. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if I drop three or four, things that people might pray in response, I'm going to hit a nerve somewhere along the lines of people say, Oh, yeah. you know what? That's, that's the one that I'm hearing right now. And that's the direction mm-hmm. that I am going to be praying in these next uh, couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, far be it from me to disagree with Spurgeon, but I don't think <laughs> every text beelines yeah. to the, to the gospel. Yeah. I think, I think Piper made some great points on that this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's sermons. Next week, we're going to talk about ordinances, baptisms, communions. Nice. And the like. 
All right. So thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource at Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, and is produced by the one and only, the Alex Walker. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See ya.